Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. All right, that brings us to today's message, which is the last few bits of sermon points in Matthew 6. And it's called, our message today is called First Kingdom Bank. First Kingdom Bank, which is the only bank that you should bank with. Um, And we're going to talk about that. And the question that ties with this title is, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure really? First Kingdom Bank. All right. I'm going to start off today with a whole bunch of questions. And I want you to know that this question is for you, not for your husband or your spouse next to you. It, It is for you. So let the question challenge, and I want you to really answer the question. You don't have to answer out loud. Maybe in the beginning, you can put up your hand if you want, but the questions get way more personal as we go, so you might not want to put your hand up by the end, but I want to challenge us with these questions before we get into today's scripture. So the first are easy. How many of you have a bank account? You can lift up your hand for this if you want. You have a bank account? All right. How many of you have money in the bank account? (laughs) A little bit, all right. How many, how many of you have more than two bank accounts? You have like multiple accounts, yeah. So that would then stand to reason that you trust the bank with your money, right? You, yeah, because you put your money there, so you must trust them to some extent. Do you think banks are trustworthy? If you think banks are trustworthy, just put up your hand, anyone. That's kind of contradictory, people. I give you my money, but I don't trust you. Interesting. How many of you store a lot of cash somewhere, like underneath a mattress maybe? Foreign currency? Anyone store foreign currency somewhere? All right. Physically, like physical notes. You have physical notes. Coins. Okay. Pela, pela. Okay, so how many of you have physical gold because you don't trust the inflated failing banking banking system. You've got real gold. Moy, anyone else have gold? Who has actual physical solid gold in their house? Like you own gold. I say. Who has shares in gold? Anyone has share in gold? Okay. <laughs> While we're on that subject, how many of you have a bunker filled with non-perishable food and water for five years? You're ready for the end times. Anyone? Okay. How many of you have property investments? Stocks? Shares? A pension? An annuity? A savings account with money in it? (laughs) How many of you are debt-free? No debt. Amazing. How many of you believe and feel like you're truly financially free, like you don't have to worry about money ever again. Two people at the back, all right. 
Great. So we'll talk to you about investments later. How many of you are greedy? Any hands? How many of you have a poverty mindset? You wake up thinking, I'm poor, I'm struggling, I'm going to struggle forever. My, my parents struggled, I'm going to struggle. Anyone? How many of you had a bad experience with money growing up in a house where it was poor and you said to yourself, I will never be like my parents and how they dealt with money and now you're exactly where they were? Anyone? That's called an inner vow. Please go to Sozo and sort it out because you don't have to be like that. How many of you have an account in heaven with treasure in it? Have you invested in the kingdom of heaven? Is your investment growing? Does your kingdom investment enjoy as much or more attention than your earthly bank account and investments? It's an easy one. Just think of how much time, energy, and effort you spend on your earthly bank accounts and investments versus the amount of time, energy, and effort you spend on your heavenly account. Then you will be able to say yes or no. This is where it gets uncomfortable. Who or what is really in charge of your home and your finances? Who do you truly serve? Let's see what Jesus had to say about it. Because he talks about treasures, he talks about money, he talks about the cost of living, and he talks about what we choose to make our most prized possessions. We're going to read the whole section of Scripture, and then we're going to divide it up and go into each little part. Are you ready to read the Word of God? Are you excited to read the Word of God? Saints, do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Do you believe it so much that when you hear it, you will obey it? Less voices. Matthew 6 from verse 19. Jesus is saying, Do not lay up, other translations say, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the God of money. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. For you will, uh, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Make yourself taller. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Notice that Jesus doesn't say there won't be trouble. He says that there's enough trouble for each day. (laughs) Take it one day at a time. All right. Question number one from the first part. Where is your treasure? Jesus says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth but lay it up in heaven. What does that mean? First of all, a very important pattern that we see right throughout this whole Sermon on the Mount is how Jesus keeps contrasting the ways of the world to the ways of his kingdom. Have you noticed that? He keeps saying, this is how they do it. I don't want you to do it that way. I want you to do it this way. Have you noticed the pattern? Anyone? Okay. With almost every sermon point, he's saying, what not to do, who not to be like, and then he follows it with what to do or what should you be like. And part of this pattern is that he connects a consequence to both the former and the latter, meaning he tells us what will happen if we do it the world's way. He says, if you do it this way, this is the consequence. Then he says, but if you do it my way, then this is the consequence. As Jesus starts talking about treasures, money, possessions, and daily needs, he does the same thing. He creates a stark contrast between the pattern, the rhythm, and the habits of our sinful nature and the pattern, the rhythm, and the habits of those who follow Jesus. He creates this stark contrast. Our king reveals in this portion of scripture how the banking system of heaven works compared to the banking system of this world. And that is why our sermon is called First Kingdom Bank. He says to not lay out for yourself treasures on earth where it can be destroyed, lead to decay, or is stolen. In some, like I said earlier, it says do not store up. And in the older translations, it actually says, do not treasure up treasures. It's using treasure as a verb and a noun. It says, don't treasure up treasures in, on earth. So firstly, Jesus is talking about a location. Where? Earth. So he's, and, and what are we storing up? And, and Sorry, where are we storing it up? If we choose to store something somewhere, we actually have a goal. We have a goal 
of wanting treasure so that we can store it. Now we work towards that goal and it takes time and energy so that we can have the treasure. It also takes focus and discipline to achieve the goal. Then there's effort to take the fruit of our labor, our treasure, and store it in this location, in a place where you think it's safe. You must want to do it. And the, and the reason to do it must motivate you to do it and to do it consistently. Do we understand that? Another way of saying it is that you, you have faith that this treasure and the place where you are putting it is safe and has worth, right? So first it's the where, the location, earth. Now it's the subject. What is this treasure that I want to place in the world, on the earth? The first type of treasure that Jesus talks about is the one that's, being, that's able to be stored in earth. So it must be physical, must be carnal, right? You treasure something when you value it. When you place a lot of worth on it, it is a treasure. Why else will you find, want to find a treasure with a treasure map? It's because it's worth something, right? Okay. You want to take care of it and you are willing to spend money on it to preserve it, to maintain it and to see it grow. This type of treasure, because it's carnal, because it's physical, is susceptible to physical damage that's found on earth, like rust that destroys, but it actually refers to things decaying, that things has, it's, it's got a shelf life on earth, right? It can depreciate in value. It also says it can be stolen. It can be destroyed. It can be stolen. And on that note, don't we know of someone in the Bible whose mandate it is to kill, steal, destroy? It's interesting that two of those come for, is in this piece of Scripture where it says it can be destroyed, it can be stolen. Because you treasure it and you're aware of the dangers of this earth, you will also spend money to keep it safe and you will spend time and energy to worry about your treasure. The bigger your wealth, the more you have to worry about. So another way of putting it is to say that in order to treasure your treasure, you need more treasure. Should I say that again? In order to treasure your treasure, which you now have put in this earthly system, you need more treasure because it takes time, effort, and money to keep it safe. All right, so Jesus is saying to us, don't do this. Now, in contrast, what he would rather have us do is to store it, our treasures in heaven where it cannot be destroyed or stolen. So he's saying to us that if you put these things in uh, your heavenly bank account, it is not susceptible to the same dangers as the treasures on earth. So what he is saying is, I will keep it safe. The location is different. In essence, our king is telling us to make a focus shift in terms of location. Not the earth, but heaven. Not the earth, but heaven. Does that sound familiar? Because 
Just recently, we spoke about the Lord's Prayer. We went into detail of the Lord's Prayer. And he says in the prayer, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he knows that we are on earth, but he's saying right now, don't store treasures on earth, store treasures in heaven. If we put the prayer and this together, do you see the connection? Maybe because it lines up with verses like, you are citizens of heaven. The Bible teaches us you are citizens of heaven when you are born again and follow Jesus. It also says you are in this world, but you are not from this world. Amen. Ephesians 1 says we have access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And when we do that, when we are heavenly minded, but know that we have a mission on earth, our prayer is to bring the will of the kingdom from heaven to earth. But our treasures are in heaven. So when we, when we treasure that, when our heart is focused on that, we will bring heaven to wherever we are. And we have the mindset that I am not from this world, I'm in this world, I'm passing through. And while I'm here, I have a mission. The same way Jesus did. I told you guys this last week when Uncle Hichu washed my feet. Jesus says, oh, we read in John, when Jesus washed the feet, it says, He knew that He had been given all things by the Father. That He came from the Father, that He was going to the Father. But He knew that in between He had a mission. And that was to serve and to show us how we should be. And this is part of that showing. So that's the location, is heaven. Now he says the subject, what is a treasure that Jesus talks about that is a treasure that can be in heaven? And I, I think you would agree with me that a treasure that can be put in heaven should be supernatural. It should be eternal, right? Would you agree? So I'm going to give you some Heavenly treasures that I believe are the kinds of things that Jesus is talking about. When I read the rest of Scripture, this is not an exhaustive list, but I believe these are some of the many things that we should focus on and go, do I have this treasure? Do I treasure this treasure? And do I treasure it so much that I'm laying it up in heaven? That's the question. So as we go through these things that I believe are heavenly treasures, I want you to ask yourself, do I have this treasure? Are you with me? All right. Our most prized treasure should be first and foremost our relationship with God. This should be our main treasure, my relationship with God, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. And I believe all other heavenly treasures flow from this main one. This treasure of having a relationship with the living God is only accessible through true repentance and salvation and is strengthened and empowered through water baptism, post-conversion, and Holy Spirit baptism. That ignites us to live this way. And that's why I'm so excited about the 10 baptisms we have today, and I'm so glad to see the sun is coming out. Thank you, Jesus. Secondly, I believe 
that when I read the Bible and I see the values of God that He brings across to us, after our relationship with Him, that we should be our main treasure, it should be the relationships that are most important here on earth, which for most people will be marriage and family. That your relationship with your spouse, the spouse that God gives you, and the children that come from it and the extended family, that those relationships should be viewed as very important because they are, in essence, supernatural and they have eternal value. Many people don't think that because it's so broken. But God's original design, His original plan with marriage and with children and family was that it will be an eternal treasure. Sure, I feel like for some people that's a surprise. You see how effective the enemy has lied to us? That we don't even expect that to be a heavenly treasure? God's original plan. Why? Because when I'm a godly man, my wife is a godly wife, and we become one flesh, but our spirits are one with God, there's something supernatural that happens. And I have a role as her husband who loves God first. Remember, my first treasure is him. And now he's given me this other treasure. It's to lead my wife as a godly husband to get closer to God, which is her first treasure. And the point is that we will both have eternal, an eternity with God in heaven. So it has that eternal aspect. But the enemy will lie to you and tell you, no, it's just for earth, it's just for now. And if it's broken, it's okay. Don't worry about it. But in God's original design, I believe marriage is a supernatural, holy thing that we should treasure. And the same with our children. As the father of my home, my, my, one of my biggest responsibilities is to lead my children to meet Jesus. It's to model God the Father to my children so that when they have enough brain and spirit to recognize God, they can go, oh, I know you, you look familiar. My dad is like you. That's why family, that's why our children should be our heavenly treasure. After those two big treasures, I believe these ones are also important for us to keep in mind. First and foremost, I believe the Beatitudes. Jesus gave us these things that tell us when you are like this, you are blessed. It's a supernatural thing that happens. When, when I treasure being poor in spirit, I am blessed. When I treasure mourning for those who are lost, I am blessed. When I treasure to be meek, when I treasure to have power under control, I am blessed. When I hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is my treasure, then I will be blessed. If I treasure to make peace, to be a peacemaker, I will be blessed. Can you see that all these things put treasure in our heavenly account? Anyone? Can you just nod? Just tell your face that this is really good. So I can know that it's registering. Okay. Romans 14, verse 17 to 18. We get our another 
form of heavenly treasure. It says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. How good is that? I'm gonna read it again. We don't have it on the screens. I apologize, but listen carefully. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ, our King, in these things, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, you are acceptable to God and approved by men. Do you see that? When you put God first, he will give you favor with man. That's also in the Bible. Three more treasures that I believe are very important. In the Bible, we read of five types of crowns that is available to believers. And I believe these are part of our treasures in heaven. We've got the imperishable crown that we get from 1 Corinthians 9, the crown of rejoicing from 1 Thessalonians 2, 29, Philippians 4, verse 4, and Revelation 21, 4, the crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4, which lines up with the piece from Romans we just read, the crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, verse 4, and the crown of life, Revelation 2, 10. Five crowns that are part of your heavenly bank account, or is it? The sixth treasure I believe we can put on this list is the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians, Galatians 5 verse 22. Who knows what they are? Some people who've journeyed with us for a while will know I never get this right. But <laughs> Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Amen? Did I miss one? Kindness. I did say kindness. Yeah. Be kind to me, brother. Do you see that joy comes in this list as well that we saw in the list? There's, it starts to kind of overlap and you start seeing that these are values of the kingdom, treasures of the kingdom. And then the last one I want to mention that I think is a very important one that we forget sometimes, especially in, in, in a church environment where maybe I don't speak about it every week, but we have a strong Focus, and I want you to know that I didn't invite a bunch of evangelists to our church last year for nothing. We didn't have a school of evangelism for nothing. We are always on mission. We are always ready to share the gospel. We are always ready to lead people to Jesus. Amen. And that is our last treasure that I want to mention today is every soul that you have led to Christ is a treasure in heaven that is part of your heavenly bank account. And I wanna ask you today, if you say, I love Jesus, I'm a, I'm a child of the King, I do wanna ask this difficult question that for some of you it might be awkward or even offensive. Have you ever led anyone to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Have you ever witnessed to someone about the joy that you have in Christ and why you have that joy in Christ? so that they can at least have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus? Are you 
when you wake up in the morning and you go about your day, do you have an eternity mindset, thinking that every person that passes me could either be going to heaven or going to hell? What am I going to do about it? Do you have that mindset? I'm not saying it or asking it to judge you. I'm asking it to challenge you. And if the Holy Spirit convicts, not condemns, convicts, then maybe it's time to go, Jesus, I repent that I don't have a missional mindset, that I don't have a mindset of people around me that might be going to hell, that I don't love them enough to get over my own awkwardness, to get over my own uncomfortability to say, hey, Jesus loves you and I love you. And this is why I have the hope that I have. It's very quiet. Are we challenged? Good. And then at the end of that segment, that sermon point, Jesus gives us a very important key to life. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Not where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. That's why he specifically said location and subject. The where and the what is important because wherever the where and the wherever the where is and whatever the what is, if you choose that that is what I treasure and where I put my treasure, your heart will go there. Your heart will be there, the real you. If our treasure is in heaven, then that's where our hearts will be. Remember that we established earlier in this series what heart refers to. Your heart in this scriptural context is not your emotions. It's not your feelings. This word heart means you, who you are, the essence of your personhood. That is what your heart is in this context. Remember, Jesus said the most important commandment is to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and, yes, strength. All of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Are you starting to see it? You, I don't want to rush ahead. But another way of saying that is what you value most and where that is located will determine who you are and how you live. What you value and where it is located will determine who you are and how you live. And now, after establishing these important points, Jesus takes this truth and he drives it home with the next few sermon points. The next piece might at a first read seems to be sort of out of context and not part of this whole way of thinking. But when you meditate on this and keep reading it in context and meditating on this part, it actually ties in so powerfully with what Jesus is saying. So the next part is, what's, is where it says the lamp of the body is the eye. 
If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It says the lamp of the body is the eye. Now I want you to focus. This is not the same as saying the eyes are the windows to the soul. Do you know that saying? It's a saying, it's not scripture. This is scripture. The lamp is the light to the body. Ach, the eyes are a lamp to the body. The first one, the lamp is the light, ach, the eyes are the light to the body. The first one implies that uh, that which you allow through your eyes will have an impact on the state or spiritual health of your body. That which you allow through your eyes will impact your body. Do you understand? Whether you are allowing light through your eyes, less light or darkness will have an impact on your body. Are you with me? The second one that's a saying, the, the eyes are the windows to the soul, that implies that when someone looks into your eyes, they can see how you are doing. Sometimes you just look at someone, especially if you know them well, and you look in their eyes and you can go, hey, are you okay? Do people do that with you? If you're feeling great and people ask you that, you're wearing the wrong color. Go to my wife. But when you're really not doing well and someone sees that, it's because they can see. Now, the two are different things. The two are different things. But... Someone might be seeing into your soul the darkness that you allowed by letting your eyes not see the light of the truth of God. So because you allowed darkness to come through your eyes and to darken your body, and now someone looks in your eyes and they go, hey, what happened? What's wrong? That's how this can be connected. But it's not to be confused. Amen? When we keep this whole context in mind, I believe Jesus is saying, because he's talking about treasures, I believe Jesus is saying that the way we look at or the way we see the earth and heaven and the way we view the treasures of each will have a direct impact on whether our bodies are full of light or full of darkness. The way we look at what is to be treasured or not, will have an impact on our bodies. In other words, if my eyes value the earth and its treasures, in other words, I covet the things of this earth, my body will be darkened. My body will reflect that value, is another way of saying it. And I will pursue earthly treasures. Remember, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Another way of saying it is where you are looking is where you will be going. In John, in 1 John 2 verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the body, what the body wants, the lust of the eyes, that's which we lust after, covet, want, is, and the pride of life 
thinking me, myself, and I, it's all about me. I can do it. I'm strong. I, I can handle it. It's not of the Father. It's of the world. But if my eyes are lit up with the light of Jesus, and if my viewpoint is one of valuing heaven and its treasures, then my body will be filled with the light of heaven. Can you see that? Will you change your point of view? Will you change what you choose to look at now that you know that whatever you look at will either give light or darkness to your body? Will you change it? Then Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. No one can serve two masters, he says, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the God of money. Jesus continues with the same point, but now he says that whatever your eyes are focused on, whatever location you value, and the treasures of that location you hold in high esteem, you will be a servant of that location and that treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because I serve that which I value, actually, I serve that which I worship. That which I value the most is actually that which I worship the most. And I will serve that thing. And now Jesus makes a statement that confounds, listen carefully. Now he makes a, a, a statement that confounds those who believe that multitasking is possible. How many of you believe that multitasking is possible? My, life still, my wife still needs a sozo regarding this. He says to those who think they can multitask their lives, you cannot serve two masters at the same time. You cannot multitask your life spiritually. And he puts two extremes in front of his audience with no option of middle ground. He says you will hate the one and you will love the other. You will be loyal to the one. You will despise the other. I looked those words up in the Greek. There's no sugarcoating it. It's hate and despise. He is telling us that there is no way that we can say, Jesus is first in my life. But then the very, at the very same time, every action and the focus of my day-to-day -day life actually reveals that I put money first. If I say Jesus is first, but every choice I make and every focus that I have and every energy that I spend is on making money because money is my God, then I'm lying. And I need to have a wake-up call. Paul says to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all evil. Some translations, actually most translations says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Notice, money is not the root of all evil. 
the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Why does he say the love of money? Because that's what this whole thing is about. What do you love? Because that's what you treasure. If you treasure it, you worship it, and then you will serve it. So what do you truly serve? What do you truly love? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We need to ask ourselves the hard question. Do I serve money or does money and the money I make serve the kingdom of God? Do I serve money or does the money I have, the riches I have, the influence I have, financially speaking, is it in service of the kingdom or am I in service of money? In other words, do I love money and serve it? Or do I love God so much that I get excited about making money so that I can build His kingdom? Can you see the difference? And if I say that I do do this, that I put Him first, where's the proof? Where's the proof in your life? Where's the sacrifice? So the question is, do I bank at First Kingdom Bank? Or do I bank at first me, myself, and I? With my law firm helping me called Dewey, Screw Him, and How? Some got that. Is my bank called first me, myself, and I? Or is it called First Kingdom? Someone just got it. It's the second wave. The law firm is called Do We Screw Him and How? Anyway. Okay, back on point. Jesus reiterates and says, do not be deceived. You cannot serve both. So ask yourself. Let us all ask ourselves. Do I really love God and therefore hate money? Am I loyal to God and despise money? Or do I love money and I'm loyal to money and I hate God? I despise God. Those are the choices. Jesus didn't give a middle ground. You either hate or love, you either loyal or despise. The multitasking people are going, no, 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 but there's a way. No. There's no way. Your heart will be divided if you think it's possible. But I'm giving God some of my heart. Okay, but he says that you need to love him with all of your heart. So he gets a bit of your heart. He died completely on the cross for you, not halfway. He went all the way. Will you go all the way for him? What do you gain by giving him just a part of you? You gain a confused spirit being. Not sure where my, where my 
you know, where my treasure is. Actually, when you are divided, you have already decided where your treasure is. I know that's a hard word, but it's the truth. And I'm not saying don't do business, don't make money. If God has called you to make money and be wealthy, hallelujah. But there's many warnings in the Bible for those who are wealthy. By earning wealth and by growing in wealth, it can become your God if you allow it to become your God. God has given you a gift to be an entrepreneur, to be a business person, so that you can fund the kingdom here on earth. Amen? My own wife is a multi-passionate entrepreneur. She got, it's another way of saying she has a lot of businesses. So we, we believe in business, and, but it's about who do you serve. And then Jesus ends with a very long piece where he says, in essence, do not worry. He says it like five times. Why do you worry? Do not worry. Why do you worry? Do not worry. Why do you worry? Do not worry. Do you get it? Do you listen yet? The crescendo of this whole sermon point. Here Jesus instructs his audience multiple times, do not worry. Because when your treasure is on earth and when your eyes are therefore darkened and your body is therefore darkened and you serve money and hate God, then you should be worried. The fruit of having your treasure on earth, hating God and loving money and being darkened in how you see things, the fruit of that will be worry. Because you're relying on me, myself, and I. And your useless law firm. (laughs) When my faith is in money and this earth, then my faith cannot be in God. Therefore, my faith is in my own efforts, which deep down I know is limited. Then I will worry. Are you with me? But when my faith is in the almighty creator of the universe and when my eyes are focused on supernatural treasures stored up in heaven and I love God and I hate money and therefore the money I make and the money I have serves the kingdom and I know that he is my provider and I trust his word, then I will not worry about the day of tomorrow and I will trust my God for that, for what I need today. That's the contrast that Jesus creates. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added. This is a profound promise. He says, I know what you need. Last week we saw it as well. He repeated it. He knows what you need. He's not surprised when you have a need. You might be. I need petrol. He's not surprised. This is a profound promise, but it is a conditional promise. It is one of those where I've said to you many times, the Bible is full of if-when promises. If you do this, live like this, trust God this way, then the promise follows. But many of us just want to read the promise 
and we ignore the if. Yeah, but the Bible says God loves me unconditionally. Yes, He loves you unconditionally, but His kingdom has conditions. If you don't believe me, just read this promise and many others. It literally says, don't worry, seek first the kingdom and His righteousness and then. If, then. I'm not lying. Yeah, but I just want the then. Doesn't work that way. He's the king. We are the servants. We do it his way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is his kingdom? What is his righteousness? I've preached on that many times. Go listen to it. It's it is what we've been talking about. It is the righteousness, remember, it's one of the treasures. It's something we need to treasure. The kingdom needs to be a treasure that we focus on. Amen? Jesus gives an example from nature. He uses uh, flowers and he uses animals, birds. He says, if my father looks after things that he created that is of less value than you are, how much more will he not take care of you? How much more will he not take care of you? And this one will be very hard for the tree huggers because some of them believe animals are more important than human beings. It's one of, the, one of the many big lies in our world at the moment. When Hollywood got hold of the movie Noah, they completely screwed it up, first and foremost. And then secondly, they had this narrative where they say if there were no people on earth, earth would be better off. And that's the narrative of many people in the world. What are they trying to do? They're trying to devalue humans. They're trying to make you think that you're of less value. But Jesus is saying very clearly, God created all that stuff. Look at how he takes care of it. Look at how he takes care of it. How much more will he not take care of you because he values you higher than a bird and a flower? Do you know that? Do you believe that? And I know some of you are saying like, yeah, but he's not taking care of me because I don't have this and I don't have that and this need is not being met. Maybe you're sitting there doing that. I want to ask you, have you been obedient in seeking his kingdom first and his righteousness and being obedient with every step that he has called you to take? I'm asking it's not judging, it's asking. Because sometimes we are running in a direction, thinking we are completely in the will of God, and God is here somewhere going, uh, what are you doing? I never told you to do that. Come back, stay close, listen. And remember, we, we saw in the, in the Scripture as well that, no, sorry, I'm confusing it with what we spoke about in Sons of God. But in Sons of God, we saw this principle from Scripture that if you want to do something really strongly and God is saying, no, do this, but you keep going, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to, God will eventually let you do what you want to do. And then you carry the consequences of that. But he never said I think it's C.S. Lewis that says there are only two kinds of people in this world. 
Those who say, Lord, let your will be done. And those who the Lord says, let your will be done. And many of them are Christians. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God values you. Do you value yourself? Do you see yourself through his eyes? Or do you see yourself through your own eyes or the world's eyes? Do you see yourself through the lies that were spoken to you, against you, over you, from your childhood up until now? Or do you see yourself from the new creation perspective that God and how he sees you? If we look with carnal eyes, we will make carnal assumptions and then take carnal actions. But if we look with heavenly eyes at ourselves, understand our true God-given worth and purpose, we will partner with heaven and take heavenly actions and reap heavenly treasures that can be stored up in our first kingdom bank. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.